You're listening to BotCast, episode 18. behind um, we have lots of collections by composers from the Baroque period that appear in certain numbers for instance when Vivaldi is publishing his his collections of concertos they usually appear in numbers of 12 with Bach he loves the number six right we have the six cello suites we have the six sonatas and partitas if you count the whole collection for violin. We get the six partitas for keyboard. We get the six French suites. So there's this idea of, of combining things in sixes. And so it leads us to wonder uh, what happens when we get a few fragments of something or an arrangement of something. And uh, if, of course, it's kind of a romantic notion to believe there had been more. And so this is kind of an interesting piece we're going to look at this time. This is uh, BWV 997, and this is a suite for the lute. And you were listening to the jig from that. And uh, on the lute, um, in his recording for Deutsche Harmonia Mundi in 1990, is Konrad Junghainel. Um I'm probably butchering his name a little bit, and I apologize. Um, but Conrad, I can say his first name pretty well, um, is is probably best known today as being the director of Cantus Kuhn. And that vocal ensemble has put out a number of well-regarded recordings of early music. And uh, their director, who sometimes plays with them, uh, of course, is a lutenist. And he took on the Bach suites for lute, the lute pieces, if you will. And there's not a lot of them. There's there's some different suites. There's a there's a lone fugue out there, and then there's an arrangement of one of the violin pieces. And so, what was Bach's relationship with the lute? I'm not sure we have a really clear answer. I've linked in the show notes to some discussion about Bach and the lute from the Bach Cantatas website. And the discussion there is pretty good because it's pointing to a number of different examples there. And um, basic idea is that we know Bach wrote for the lute. We know that there are some copies that survive of this piece. And some of them, it's actually written out for the lute. And Bach's name is listed. Um, we also have a keyboard version of it written out. And the scores that you're going to see don't look like lute music, at least for not a lutenist, who is going to probably be more comfortable looking at something called tablature. And if you know anything about the guitar, the guitar, a stringed instrument that gets plucked, um, tablature is, is one way to show chords and where to basically put your fingers to make playing, uh, to facilitate playing. 
Uh, and so you're not necessarily reading eighth notes or something. You're, you're reading actually, after you tune the instrument, where do you put your fingers? And that, there's actually a copy of it written in tablature as well. So we get this piece that, for whatever reason, and it could be that the lutenist is quite comfortable playing off a printed page of music, uh, but there's also some consideration whether this could have been performed on a keyboard instrument, and what instrument was that? Does it matter, really? Um, and the second is, was this an original piece designed for the lute, or was it an, an adaptation of something written, let's say, for the keyboard? And so, because we really don't know the answers to all that, we can have some guesses. This is not like the most well-known piece by Bach. Um, and, of course, lute players are not the most numerous, uh, it's not the most popular instrument, right? So I want to spend a little bit of time, since we were going to focus on a lute work, about what exactly a lute is. Um, a lute is similar to a guitar in some regards. It's a stringed instrument. Um, it does not look like a guitar in the sense that it has a pear, half pear-shaped body. It's definitely not as loud as a guitar. And lutes came in different sizes. In fact, some of, some of the lutes you may have heard in the background playing with the bass in an ensemble might be called an arch lute, which is a big lute, or a theorbo, a variation of that. And for these big lutes, literally you could take somebody out right? It's, it's a two-handed thing. There's a strap that goes around, and if you wanted to, you could wipe somebody out. And these things are huge and long because they have these big bass strings on them. And the bass strings basically just nice, big, fat, fat note that can really carry uh, in an ensemble. Despite the uh, softer nature of the lute, those bass notes can really stick out. So that's not necessarily the instrument that Bach was thinking of. You've got, basically, lutes were um, identified by the size, and the size was articulated by how many courses it had, how many strings did it have. Was it a 12-course lute, a 13-course lute, a 14? Um, I'm sure there were some popular sizes, but through history, if you look at Historical examples, they came in different shapes and sizes, and we, we don't actually know how they got tuned specifically. There is some information on the website that I linked to about were they linked to organ pitch, were they linked to choir pitch, um, because there were these two different pitch standards. And like a viola da gamba, the lute could accommodate different tuning systems because the frets in the lute could be adjusted. Um, and so that, in a nutshell, is this instrument. It's, it's kind of a, it's a beautiful instrument. But by the time Bach came around, it was sort of on its way out. Uh, unfortunately, for those who love the lute or play the lute, to know that the instrument was falling out of favor it might be a hard pill to swallow. And they probably celebrate the fact that one of the world's best composers, most highly regarded composers, if you want to put it that way, wrote for their instrument. However... 
there are some questions because we know of some discussions of something called a Lauten work. A Lauten work. Uh, a lute keyboard instrument. And I don't believe we have any examples of one, but people have tried to build them now. And it basically is a, like a harpsichord, different mechanism for articulating the strings, different type of string, and therefore you get a very lute-like sound. And yet you could play it from the keyboard. So when we think of a piece like this, there is some speculation of number one, was Bach composing it for that instrument? Or number two, if it could be played on multiple kinds of instruments, did somebody like a Bach really care what it was, was written for? And these are the things that plague modern day performers. Now, in terms of recordings, you could also play some of these works uh, without too much difficulty on a modern guitar. And if you search out there, you'll probably find 997 on a guitar. I don't own a recording on a guitar. When I went through, um, if I've cataloged all my recordings correctly and I've listed the BWV number on all of them, there's three recordings that I have that, that feature this work, and they are, they are not all equal. Um, the one I just gave you the sample from was the first one I had. And... Um, to give you a sense of, of what each movement is like, I'm actually going to sample from uh, Mr. Jung Hengel's uh, recording from 1990. And it's a four-movement work, prelude, fugue, sarabande, and jig. Okay. Um, prelude, we might expect, especially on the lute, right? We talked about... The opening of the well-tempered clavier had this kind of arpeggios, which makes you think of something like a harp or some kind of, you know, strummed instrument. Um, and you're waking up the instrument. Okay? So that's, that's the first movement. The second, pretty strict. We're not messing around here. Here is the, here is the formal fugue. I'm going to give you a theme. I'm going to basically pit it in multiple voices and I'm going to show my metal as a composer. Then we could do a sarabande. Bach liked sarabands. He wrote quite a few of them. And it's a slower movement. It's, it's probably, you can think of it as the, the emotive uh, movement. And then the last one, a jig with a double. And a double is basically a, uh, one that uh, goes faster. Um, it's a two-part. And the overall key, C minor. So this just give it a listen. I'm going to give you just some samples of the four movements so you get an idea of what we're, what we're going to hear in, in this work. And then we'll look at some comparisons. <laughs>
that gives you a sense of the flavor of the piece. Uh, four movements, C minor everywhere, right? Lots of minor, kind of dark sounding in a way, and I think part of that has to deal with the instrument. Um, in that recording, I get the sense that this piece is bigger than the instrument it was written for. There's some of those lower notes that just kind of they just uh, speak in such a rustic way. Uh, does not sound like the most refined kind of instrument. And the, and the lute can be a very beautiful, well-controlled instrument. But I think with all of Bach's ideas and the complexity of his music, uh, it kind of comes across as maybe not the best fit, which could be an indication that the lute version of that, of what would have been left with, was simply arranged and picked up by lutenists. Um, we can't really say. But lots of fast notes in that last jig. In this performance, um, Mr. Jung Hainel takes the uh, the fugue kind of slow, kind of taking his time with that. Um, and the Sarabande obviously is a slow movement as well. And I would say that he the tempo for the first movement is kind of a, of a moderate one. And uh, definitely there's some playing feeling there. There's some things you can do on an instrument like the lute or even the lauten work that you couldn't do on the harpsichord. And that's play with different intensities for different notes, much like we can do on the piano, but with that kind of plucked um, articulation that obviously we don't get in a piano. We get a hammered action, which gives us a little different sound. Um, there later came out a recording that I also picked up. And it has, strangely, three of the movements from this work. It emits the fugue. And this is by Rolf Lieslevand, who is an artist from Norway who I've really grown to uh, like. He's done some work on the ECM New Series label with um, his ensemble Capsberger. Um, one of the my favorite recordings by them is the Nuove Musiche. The, the new music, and he has taken sort of a um, kind of a page out, I guess, out of Christina Pluhar's book, and has has uh, reinterpreted old music, and has not held back. And some what you might say jazzy elements have come into the performances, and I think it's clear that what they present is probably not what we were, would have heard. It was many hundred years ago, but at the same time, there's something authentic about the way they're, they're approaching the music. Um, and of, of course, authenticism means it comes from the performer, um, but they're really not breaking a lot of rules from the historical perspective. And that if you've, if you've not heard those recordings, uh, if you look his name up, it's it's spelled L I S L E V A N D, and he did a recording of Bach um, several years ago on the um, Astre label. Uh, that's in the Opus One 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 kind of family of of 
recordings. And this one is called Inta Volatura. And he includes three movements from BWV 997. And I thought I'd give you a listen here. And what I want you to listen for is just the different sound he has compared to what we just listened to. So this is from the prelude. Huh? If you if you look at the score, it's written in two parts. Pretty simple uh, left hand if you're thinking of it as a keyboard. Um, just some kind of bass notes to center ourselves with the harmony, and kind of a haunting tune in the right hand. And uh, we hear that little echo, and then we we go to new places, and it's um, kind of sticks with you. Uh, I would say it has some good invention behind it. And what do you think of that performance? To me, it's a little, it's a little better of a performance, I think, than what we heard. Uh, this release was out in 2000, so about 10 years from the first one. Um, recording quality, maybe just the instruments captured just a little more clearly. But I just kind of like... It's a little faster, maybe. It's a little, um, a little more elegant, perhaps, in the in the play. It does not sound quite as rustic. And of course, uh, that doesn't mean they were playing the equivalent instruments, which may have a part in in that sound. So I don't have the fugue to play for you here, uh, and the Sarabond is a slower piece. But I want to give you a sense of that jig, and the jig obviously. It tends to be a faster movement, usually in, in a 6-8 six, six, time is, is a common one. Um, just to give you another more flavor of this lutenist's um, sound and, and style. Too fast, right? We can, we very definitely can hear the pulse. One, two, three. 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 And that tempo allows him to put in ornaments, right? Extra fast notes in between there, which just kind of uh, it tickles us a little bit, I think. Um, to hear those put in there, and if we are familiar with one version of a piece, we turn this one, it's like, oh, he's added a few little extra uh, ticklers in there, if you will, uh, with his right hand uh, as he as he plays through that. 
So uh, those to me sound kind of unrehearsed in a bit. They kind of stick out there and um, little embellishments, which, which certainly make sense. And that tempo that was chosen really facilitates that being able to happen. And so that's, that's kind of what we're left with. Uh, four movements. I wish I had some context to tell you if this was a hard piece or not to play on the lute. Um, my guess is, is that this music is, you have to be very careful. It's Everything's written out. It's not like a guitar music where there's just a chord and you can kind of do what you want. Um, this is detailed stuff. And so my guess is, my hunch would be that, yeah, this is, you got to be paying attention when, you, when you're playing uh, this music on the lute. And I don't know how it feels to a lutenist, if it feels natural, if it feels like a, a good fit to the instrument, or if we might criticize Bach for saying, well, yeah, he wrote kind of an interesting piece of music, but it's hard for me to play. At the end of the day, this is not one of those Bach pieces that I get totally excited about until I heard a new version. And this version is not performed on the lute, it's performed on the harpsichord. And if you really want to go out and search there, you can actually find some Bach played on the Lautenwerk or a version of what we think a Lautenwerk would have sounded like. Um, and keep in the back of your mind that basically these, this harpsichord version is the same thing, although the sound quality is different. And a really good Lautenwerk actually sounds like a lute. And so one of the things that you can do on the keyboard, you, you can turn up the tempo a little bit, and, well, I'll just let you hear, listen to this. So this is, once again, the prelude, and it's performed on harpsichord. think first movement slow it just comes across to me this somehow doesn't sound like a harpsichord piece yet it's a kind of a good interpretation when we hear the fugue i definitely like the speed that this performer has taken i think it fits the music in a really um it, it 
makes the music just kind of sing and it's it's clear and I'm not kind of waiting for the notes to speak that harmonic rhythm that we talk about sometimes the the sequence of harmony happening uh it just seems like a good fit there and so I'm, I'm kind of led to believe that um maybe the fit of this piece really isn't for the harpsichord although performing on a keyboard gives us some leeway um, in terms of interpretive abilities and I'm putting some of this on there obviously we don't have the same person performing on different instruments so we're not getting a really fair comparison but this is my favorite performance of, of BDV 997 and I think it's in part not just the performer but it also speaks to how it gets executed on a keyboard which leads me to believe that perhaps this was really um, something that uh, was, if not originally written for, would work well on the Lautenwerk, a lute-sounding instrument, but with a keyboard control. And one of the things that we don't know is if Bach could actually play the lute, if it's an instrument he picked up and could um, just play. And we could imagine that somebody of Bach's abilities could probably pick up any instrument and, you know, figure it out. But when you get to something like a multi-voiced fugue, it becomes more difficult. Um, part of the reason I think it doesn't fit on the harpsichord as is, is easily is just how close those lines are. And if you look at the, the printed score, when they're having to transpose it to show you a different way of writing it out. It, they're just showing you that eh, it's kind of a clue to you. This isn't necessarily fitting within the compass of the instrument. Of course, with all the keyboard music that Bach wrote, it just somehow doesn't look like uh, what we'd expect him to do, which would indicate maybe it was an arrangement, maybe it was intended for another instrument. Uh, for whatever reason, it just looks like it doesn't fit. But this performance that you've been listening to uh, I've appreciated this album. I've already reviewed it. It is Jean Rondeau, and this is his album Imagine, where he kind of takes a stab at some different pieces by Bach performed on the harpsichord, and they're not all pieces that were originally intended for the harpsichord, and so that's why he opens his recording with the lute suite. To finish out, I'll give you a taste of his version of the Sarabande and then the jig. Again, this is BWV 997, Box Loot Suite in C minor.
So that last clip there, I thought I'd surprise you a little bit. That was a C minor jig for the lute, not by Bach, by one of Bach's contemporaries, um, Sylvius Leopold Weiss, or Weiss. Um, this is a recording from 2005 on the Naxos label by Robert Bartow, who's taken on um, Mr. Weiss's uh, collection of uh, lute suites. And there's been, I believe, some speculation that maybe some of Bach's works would have been written for somebody like Mr. Weiss. And just to give you a flavor of what somebody else was doing at the time, and uh, he was known as a virtuoso in the late Baroque. And obviously, as we've been saying, instrument really had its heyday in the, in the Renaissance and was used also to accompany voices. And so... Here was somebody else at the time who was who was writing out a lute suite. So it wasn't that the instrument was totally, totally out of fashion. But I want to give you the sense of what the style was like. And, and, and basically what we heard there was a, a melody line that was being punctuated by one or two notes below in much the same way that Bach opens his work, right, in a kind of a two-part two -part voicing. So this is now, to finish off this episode, um, the jig performed not on the lute, but on a harpsichord. And again, I really don't have a, a definitive answer for you of, of what the history of this work is. I've, I've put some doubt in your mind about whether it was really written for the lute. And then they've come back and told you, well, it doesn't quite fit a harpsichord, but... Nevertheless, I think this uh, recording uh, by Jean Rondeau, I think his interpretive, his uh, interpretive metal, his style, his um, he he gets to the music with the instrument that he has using his two hands at a keyboard. I just think it works, and uh, if if it really can sing at to the same level on a lute. I apologize to the performers I've highlighted here. I just haven't heard it yet quite this good. And so I wanted to share with you that, yeah, there's some pieces out there by Bach, but it doesn't mean that uh, what's written in the manuscript is always ends up being the most musically satisfying. Um, and so I hope you appreciated kind of this, perhaps a detour into a lesser known work by Bach. And I apologize, of course, if if uh, you are actually quite familiar with this, but I, I don't see it pop up a lot. It's one of those BWV numbers that you don't see a lot, and therefore uh, I thought it was worth taking a look at. The four movement, Sweet for the Lute in C minor. Folks, thank you for listening. My name is John Hendren, and I really appreciate knowing that some of you have been enjoying BachCast. You know, you can find more information about the episodes by visiting uh, the website, which is bieberfan.org. And then you can click on BachCast when you get there. 
and it'll have the episodes along with those notes. So to end, Jean Rondeau.